good to have each of you in the Lord's house this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Ask him to be with us as we come to worship him. Father in heaven, we come before you and we ask that you would guide and direct in this worship hour. Help us in every way to exalt you and lift you up. Lord, we thank you for this great month we've had as we have focused on missions and spreading the gospel around the world. And Lord, we're just so blessed to have met missionaries, visited with them, helped to catch their vision and follow you in obedience. And I pray that today as we wrap up our missions month, our missions emphasis, that it would be your Holy Spirit that stirs our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated.
stand again and together we lift up our voices as we sing before the throne of God above.
and turn, if you would, to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6 in your New Testament. We're going to look at verses 30 down through 34 this morning. title of our message is The Compassionate Savior. And what we're looking at this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ revealing His compassion for those who are in need. And for you and I, when we start talking about missions, we're really talking about compassion. Understanding the need of others. We have the gospel. We're here today worshiping our Lord Jesus Christ. I'd like to think that every one of us in this room has called upon him and received him as their savior. And we have heaven secured. He has prepared for us a place there. And according to the scriptures, one day will bring us unto himself. But there's a whole world out there who has not heard the gospel. And it is the compassion of Christ in us and through us that helps us to look and say, yes, I need to be obedient to the Great Commission, the call to get the gospel around the world. Back in 1839, at Middlebury College, they had their graduation. And first honors were shared by two individuals. Mr. Wilder and Mr. Foote. Mr. Foote desired to become a lawyer. He achieved great wealth and great influence in his lifetime. However, he never achieved great satisfaction and he ended up committing suicide and that's how he ended his life. Wilder, on the other hand, had a vision for missions. The irony is they were both born on the same day in the same year, went to the same college, graduated the same time, and shared high honors. But both had dramatically different visions for their life. Wilder desired to be a missionary to India. And him and Foote were good friends. And Foote, standing on the docks, as Wilder was getting ready to board the ship for India, he told him, he said, be careful. Don't become consumed in the poverty of India. Don't waste your life. Wilder did spend his entire life in India. He preached in 3,000 cities. He's, um, he is recorded to have written 3 million pages of literature to get the gospel in India. And he started a school that boys and girls would learn to be able to read. And in his lifetime, he educated 3,300 boys and girls. Now, by nobody's standard that I know, would you consider Wilder's life to have been a waste? But Mr. Foote was a tragedy. He certainly had high aspirations and he reached those. But he never found the peace that he needed to live. You and I, when we look around the world, it's not that we want to increase the livelihood capacity of every person in the world. Our goal is not to make everybody rich. It's not to go and teach everybody how to be an entrepreneur. Our goal is really to share the faith of Jesus Christ. That people might know and understand that there is one who so loves them that he was willing to die on the cross for them. When we come to this text in Mark chapter 6, I want you to listen as I read verses 30 on down. 
And here you find the Lord Jesus Christ interacting with his apostles as they ministered to people. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. Because they had themselves been on a journey, spreading the gospel. They came back to Jesus. They told him all that they had done, all that they had taught. As we come down a little bit farther, it tells us, And he said unto them, Come, ye yourselves, apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out went them. And came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when the, when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about, into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and two fishes, he looked up to heaven, he blessed it, broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set them before them. And the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. As we look at this text, we find the Lord Jesus Christ, his earthly ministry, along with his apostles, going out and doing what God called them to do. Simply to go forth and to minister to people and to share the truths of the salvation of God with, with each and every individual. When you look at verses 30 and 32, you find that Christ had compassion on the weary. When you look at verses 33 and 34, you see Christ had compassion on the confused. And when you look at verses 35 through 44, you find that Christ had compassion for the hunger. You and I in our lives, we are very blessed, every single one of us, in our own way. Whether we live in a simple home or a 40,000 square foot mansion, you and I, by world standards, are all rich. We're blessed. We get up in the morning, we open our cabinets, we probably have enough canned goods in there to feed ourselves for a month. Maybe a year. Who knows? We are blessed. But yet around the world, there are many people who are not nearly as fortunate as we. But not only do they not have the material things, many people don't have the simple truth of the gospel. 
Here you find the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles, they're working hard. It tells us that he looks out and he sees his apostles as they have uh, returned from a journey. And he sees that they are weary. He understands the load that they bear. He understands the work, the weight, the care for other people's needs, for other people's wants, other people's shortages. He knows his apostles have been out there doing what they were told to do. Look with me again at verses 30 on down through. It says, And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus, and they told them everything, all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. They went back to the Lord and they gave him an inventory of their labors. And Christ was moved. He was moved by how hard they worked. That's why when you come down to verse 31, it says, He told them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. I ask you, when we talk about missions every year, when we take and do a month's emphasis, and we think about and pray about and consider missions around the world, how much time do we give to think about the missionaries? Those who are out there laboring and working. Even as last Sunday, we had the tailors with us. Here they are, they're both in their 70s. And they are still working hard on the mission field. They're still, in fact, they're rebuilding their, their auditorium right now. They, we had gone there years ago, about, oh, I think it's about 18 years ago. We had gone and worked on his church there, worked on what they called the castle that they turned into a, a youth retreat. Before he left, he told me, he says, Pastor, now listen, if you can get a group, come. Help us paint and get this building finished. I said to him, I said, well, Larry, let me know what your projects are. And we'll see what we can do. Because he wants to do it the middle of the winter, like February, something like that. But they're working hard. And the Lord, when he looks at the missionaries we support, and all along the back wall here, about 40 missions projects that we support around the world, they are working hard. They're doing what they've been called to do. You and I, we all can't go, but they've gone. And when the Lord looked, he saw and he had compassion for those who had labored hard, those who were weary. He said to them, come. Let's take a time of rest. Let's minister to you. And you and I should pray for our missionaries. We should pray for God to minister to them, to give them safety and comfort and guidance. Just this morning, I had received an email from a missionary we don't support, but he had emailed me and just said, hey, pray for me. I'd had a robbery that somebody had broken into his house. It's over in Côte d'Ivoire. I never know really how to say that. It's, it's a French-African country. But um, he, they had broken in, robbed his home, and he had just sent this out to ask for prayer. All around the world, missionaries work and serve. They face all different circumstances. We should pray for them. We should care about them. Month of October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And we should absolutely appreciate all those missionaries that are pastoring on those foreign fields, learning a new language, separating from their families, doing the work of Christ. When Jesus saw his apostles returning, he said, 
come, rest, he cared, he had compassion for them. When you look at verses 33 and 34, as I mentioned, you see that he shifts his attention some. It says to us, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, he saw much people, and was moved with compassion towards them, because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So his focus shifted from the apostles, from those servants of the Lord, those who had traveled and journeyed and worked, those who had gone into towns and villages and witnessed. Some they had been ejected from the communities, others they had been embraced. He had compassion and wanted them to rest. But then as he took them apart to a place where they could rest, it says that he came out from that place and he looked and he saw that people had started gathering from all the cities and all the villages throughout all the countryside. They'd started gathering to come. It said they had known Jesus. They knew he was there. They knew of him, but they didn't really know him. They had come to hear, come to see. They'd heard about miracles. They'd heard about teachings. And they themselves wanted to witness it. But as Christ came out and he looked at all those people, it tells us that he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion because they were a people without a shepherd. They were folks that were confused by life, confused by their circumstances, confused by religion, confused by their hope or dream of a better eternity. He looked out and he saw them and he was moved. You and I today, as we conclude our month of missions emphasis, we have to also look out. We have to look out beyond our borders, beyond our circumstances. We have to look out and see. And we need to be moved. We should have compassion. Compassion for a world that is confused. Could, could we be in a time with any more confusion than we see today. It's amazing to me. People can't figure out what gender they are. They can't figure out whether it's right to shoot and kill people or to not. To burn down courthouses or march and burn down communities. Crazy things in our own nation, never mind around the world. South Africa right now has a rampant problem of kidnappings. So... Uh, they say that on a monthly basis, over a thousand people are kidnapped. Now, they're not kidnapping just common people walking down the street because there's no money in that. They're looking for every little business owner, every little person who has anything, every foreigner that they can see that they think might have some income or some resources. A thousand a month, can you imagine? All around the world, we're living in a time when people are confused about what is right and what is wrong. Certainly confused about doing right and wrong. They need Christ. And you and I need to have compassion for them. I was reading an article the other day that was talking about in America 
how many young people say they will never have children. And that breaks my heart for them. Because someday, when they reach 40, 50, 60 years old, they're going to think to themselves, wow, I wish I had a child. I think they will. I think they will. Child who will love for them, love them, care about them, maybe help them in their elder years. I was talking to Josh the other day in my office, and Josh is from the Congo in Africa. And he was talking to me about how, how the, the people in the Congo, most of them have no savings whatsoever. They don't try to save. They share. They share their village, their community, their neighbor, their family. That's the way they live. That's their principle. That's their ideal. And they just share. And then when they get older, of course, their hope is that as they have sowed, so shall they reap. But we have a world that is confused about caring for anybody. Jesus looked down. He saw these people coming. And he was moved with compassion. Because they were as people without a shepherd. You and I, when we look at the world, we understand that there is a world that is seeking. They're seeking whatever they can find, wherever they can find it. Maybe they're trying to find it in drugs, or maybe they're trying to find it in hobbies, or interests, sports, education, uh, power, who knows where they're searching. But few in America are searching for the gospel. But do you know that's not the case around the world? One of our missionaries sent me an email here the other day. He said, we are out of gospel tracts. Because every time we go out to give gospel tracts, people just come. They come and they want them. They want them. They want them in the streets. There are people in the world who really want to know. And you and I need to have compassion. Even for those who don't realize they have a need. When I was a boy, my grandfather had sheep, had a large pasture, and those sheep, sheep are not bright. <laughs> the idea that God likens you and I unto sheep should really help us to understand how, how not together we are. But sheep are the kind of animals that if somebody doesn't go ahead and show them the way, they can get themselves in all kinds of a mess. And they don't even realize they have a problem. That's, that's the reality of many of us, isn't it? We don't even know we have a problem. But you and I need to have compassion for those who are in that situation. I want you to look with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. Acts chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill. This is in Athens. Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with an inscription to the unknown God, 
whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. The Apostle Paul, he looked at the world he was living in, that Greco-Roman world, that world of philosophy and military might. And as he stood upon Mars Hill and he looked out upon all these philosophers in Athens, he simply told them, you folks, you're so superstitious. You've gone ahead and built yourself a statue to the unknown God just in case you missed one. He says, I want to talk to you about the one you missed. I want to talk to you about that unknown God to you. And there he preaches Jesus Christ. There he preaches the death, burial, and resurrection. And it goes on to tell us that some believed and some mocked. But he did his job. You and I need to have a compassion for those Athenians. Those Athenians around the world who are so confused they don't even know what to worship. They don't understand that the Creator God sent His only begotten Son and He came for no other purpose than to die for your sins and mine. As we look at this, we understand that Christ did have compassion for the weary, and so should we. He had compassion for the confused, and so should we. And the last thing I want you to see is that He had compassion for those who were hungry. When you're hungry, you're empty, aren't you? It's a simple statement, but when you understand that it not only applies to food, but it also applies to spiritual truth. When you're hungry, you're empty. And these people, as they had followed Christ all the way out into the wilderness, as they were gathering, and the scriptures tell us the night was coming, the day was far spent. The apostles, they looked and they said, Lord, we need to send these people on their way so they can find their way to villages and communities. And there they can find bread. But Jesus had a whole other plan. Look with me down at verse 35 in our text of Mark 6. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far spent. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread and give them to eat? You know, it's amazing the way the Lord addresses these individuals. These are people he knew well. These are his apostles. There is a clear interaction between them that is, uh, there's no barriers there. There's no wall between them. When he says to them, you, uh, feed them, they don't hesitate to say to him, Lord, are we going to go buy 200 penny worth of bread for all these people? They have no hesitancy there. And Jesus said, simply says to them, you need to feed them. I want you to go out. I want you to find out how much bread you have. Verse 38, he saith unto them, How many loaves have you? Go and see. And when they knew, they had five and two fishes. Now that in, that in and of itself is amazing. There's 5,000 men there. That's a lot of people. 
And yet of all those people, when they had come throughout the day, they'd already consumed all that they had brought for their picnic lunch. It's the day is far spent. It's to the end of the day. And all that's left in all those people, five loaves and a few fishes. So by all that appeared, this was an impossible task. But Christ was moved with compassion. These people are empty. And he had the power to fill the tank. And you and I, when we look around the world, for sure the world is empty. They're empty. It's I was reading an article the other day about euthanasia. People going ahead and taking the lives of folks who are either unhealthy or elderly. This is happening around the world. It's happening right in our own state. And you might say, well, you know what? They need to have their own choice and their own free will. I was reading an article about an elderly woman in a nursing home in Europe where her family believed she was not capable of making that decision, but they were never told until after they had put her to death that the mother had requested to be put to death. So the children had called to set up a visit to come see mom. She was gone. So there's a lawsuit between the family and one of the European countries. This is such a, such a, a problem taking place in our world today. People are empty. People have lost the moral base to help us understand what is the solid rock. Jesus looks out. He sees the people who are empty. They are hungry. He tells his apostles, I need you to go ahead and find out what we have here. Five loaves and two fishes. He commanded them to all sit down by companies upon the green grasses. And they sat them down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. Isn't that, it's so interesting that the Bible gives us those details. You know, if you were just telling a little kid's story, you wouldn't add that in there. If you were just making up something, you wouldn't add those details. But here it tells us, it says the apostles go ahead and they organize this thing with their five loaves and two fishes. They start dividing people up into groups of hundreds and fifties. Now we know at the end it tells us there's 5,000 men. That doesn't count women and children. There's a lot of people there. And Jesus is getting ready to do a miracle, isn't he? Because he's moved by the fact that these people are empty. You and I, we practice faith, promise, missions, giving every year. And we've done it for many, many, many years. It is merely us saying, God, provide through us as you will. Here's our five globes and two fishes. None of us are wealthy. Not that I know of. Maybe you are and I don't know. It's none of my business. But we all take the few loaves and the few fishes we have and we offer it to the Lord and we say, Lord, what will you do? What would you do through me? And then we, by faith, trust him. That's it's exactly what the apostles did. I mean, can you imagine organizing people into groups of hundreds and fifties and knowing you only have five loaves and two fishes? 
I mean, you are absolutely working by faith at that point, aren't you? Because what are you going to say to all these people you've gone ahead and organized and divided up and set up? All right, we're getting ready to have a big dinner. Let's get organized here. We have five loaves and two fish. No, they believe that Jesus is going to do something. They believe that their God is able. They believe that a miracle is getting ready to unfold. And they are absolutely right, aren't they? When we come down to verse 40, 41, it says, And when he had taken the five loaves, the two fish, he looked up to heaven, he blessed, broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples, and set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them. And they did all eat and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. Now that is a miracle. That is amazing. And it is also so enlightening that Jesus Christ can take so little and make it do so much. And that he always provides if we will just trust. And that's exactly what transpires here. He begins to delve it out. And he delves it out and delves it out and delves it out. And I mean, man, it just keeps going. It keeps going. It keeps going. He's not a magician. It's not sleight of hand. When I was in college, one of the things we were taught was what the skeptics say of the Bible. And one of the skeptics of the 1800s said, well, the apostles wore long flowing robes and they had bread and fish in their robes and they were just sleight of hand feeding 5,000 people it would take more of a miracle to hide enough food in your robe to feed 5,000 men never mind women and children sometimes I read what skeptics have to say and I think you have more faith than I do <laughs> It's easy for me to believe that Jesus can do anything, but to believe a human being, even if it was 12 human beings, hide enough food in their robes to feed probably 10 or 15,000 people? Come on. But Jesus is able. He's able to do that which you and I cannot even imagine. He had compassion for those who were empty. And he took little and used it for much. You and I, by faith, we say, Lord, lay on my heart what you will give. And I trust you. I trust you. Each week, I am going to go ahead and do what you've laid on my heart. And then we as a church, we do the same. We trust and we send it out. And those missionaries, they go and they trust by faith that they're going to be able to continue to work on the foreign field. It's all by faith. This event that took place in Mark chapter 6 is a faith event. Only Jesus knew. The apostles didn't know. The crowd didn't know. Only Jesus knew what he could and would do. You and I, by faith, we simply trust in our Lord. We say, Lord, here am I. Either send me or enable me to send. 
That's what missions is about when it comes to the New Testament. I'd like you to bow your heads with me if you would. And I want to take just a moment, just a moment of introspection. And just like, even for myself, to just take a moment of prayer and ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to do? Should I go? Should I send? Let's take a moment of silent prayer. Father in heaven, we as a congregation, we desire to go ahead and be obedient to the Great Commission as given to us in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. We desire to be appreciative and have compassion on our missionaries around the world, even as Jesus did, that we might help provide their needs. We truly desire to have compassion upon those who are so confused in our world today, who so desperately need the solid rock of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you help us to have compassion on those who are empty. They're desperately looking to be filled. Lord, we thank you for our church. We thank you for our fellowship of brothers and sisters in Christ. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. Lay upon our hearts whether we should go or whether we should send. And what by faith you would do. Lord, we thank you that we can worship you. We thank you for the gift of salvation. And we thank you for the privilege of being able to participate in missions with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.